guys, welcome back to Reality Bites, a podcast about sex, love, relationships, and dating in the digital age. I'm your host, Courtney Kosak, and I am so stoked about today's guest. I don't know if you're noticing a trend, but I am pretty stoked about every guest, which is exactly why they're here. But today we have Jeffrey Self. Jeffrey is an actor, and he's a very accomplished author. He most recently wrote the YA novel Drag Teen. Another one of his books is uh, Fifty Shades of Gay, and he's written a bunch of other stuff. Um, He grew up in Rome, Georgia, so we're going to talk about what it was like for him to move to New York from there, how the New York and L.A. dating scenes compare and contrast, what it was like uh, when he became engaged in January, and find out a little bit about his new book. So here we go. You guys, I am here with actor and uh, mini splendored author. Mini splendored. Uh, <laughs> Jeffrey. I, I love that term, mini splendored. Uh, Jeffrey Self. Um, thank you for coming out. Thanks for having me in in, in this uh, empty bar. It's it's a cool Midday. thing to be doing in the middle of the day. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, great vibes for this, great this vibes. little podcast. Great vibes. Um, so Jeffrey, a lot of your uh, written work deals with uh, sexuality. Yes. Uh, I, I was. I heard on another podcast that you knew you were gay in seventh grade. Yeah. All right. Um, Should we jump right in? Just jumping just... right in. No, I'm just surprised. <laughs> really specific. Um, Sorry to warn yeah, you. Yeah, seventh up. grade, man. Here we go. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess I've always. I mean. I, I, I feel like I grew up like right before that moment of like every TV show having a gay character, you know, like it was. So you had to discover it a little bit, but like it was just beginning, right? So there was like the beginnings of gay characters on the real world mm-hmm. and all those things, and then Queer Eye, and then Will and Grace around that time. But then, I mean, I think now it's like knowing you're gay in seventh grade is like. Like what took you so long? Right. But uh, totally. But uh, before it was kind of more of a thing where you had to, like you said, like discover it and seek out examples or whatever. But I was definitely like one of those kids who was like just straight up gay, just <laughs> too gay, just the gayest in Rome, in Georgia? Rome, Georgia. Yes, exactly. Which is like a small town uh, in Georgia, uh, in the Northwest near Alabama and Tennessee, which is like, it was like a a strange, you know, obviously a a difficult place to grow up gay, but like also it could have been like way, way worse. Like it was Mm -hmm. a pretty, I wouldn't, I don't want to say educated town or like intellectual town, but like there was definitely a, uh, a college town vibe to it. Not too extreme. There weren't like cool bars, but there were bars, and there were people in their twenties there, and people with open minds. A yeah, few people with but open... now, like the the we grew up on like a college campus, and uh, my family, like not because they worked there or anything, there was just like a neighborhood within this mm-hmm. campus, and uh, that school was really cool, and they had a really great like musical theater program, which goes hand in hand with gay acceptance, and uh, and. Uh, very cool liberal arts small school and then they got bought by the Baptist Coalition recently what? the Southern Baptist Coalition I think is the official term and they're like now completely operated by that organization and so then they made the staff of the school if you worked there you as a teacher or administrator or anything you had to sign like a uh, lifestyle agreement oh, saying like God. you wouldn't not even like sexuality like 
you wouldn't be you wouldn't drink alcohol, you wouldn't smoke cigarettes, like all of these bizarre conservative things that people had to sign, and so they lost half of their staff and half of their students, and now it's like crumbling, but which is thrilling to watch, but uh, <laughs> it's such a sad thing. But it was cool to see, like when that happened, my people in my hometown picketed and like actually protested, I and love like that. a really. My mom was out there with a with a I don't know if she had a sign, but uh, was there, uh, which is which is a you know for a small southern town, major major progress. Uh, but uh, yes, growing up gay there uh, in I'm 30 now, so that would have been like you know the start of the 2000s would have mm-hmm. been high school for me. But uh, you didn't go to high school. I did not go to high school. I convinced my parents to let me homeschool myself. Uh, I told them I was afraid of school shootings, but in actuality, I just didn't want to miss the view, which is true. Uh, I like literally just like, but really, I like, I would think I was like on some level actually afraid of school shootings because I I just assumed Columbine, you know, Columbine had happened not yeah. that long before and like making making a national tragedy about myself and uh, nothing like it and uh, and so I used that as a, like a way to avoid going to high school but I think I I had gone to a really small school for my whole life and then I basically knew I would be going to a big high school and I think on some level even though I wasn't saying that out loud that I knew I would be like bullied or mm. not completely not even bullied just like not as accepted as universally as I had been in like a small school of like the same 20 kids for the past 10 years uh and so i homeschooled myself so i know absolutely nothing <laughs> i'm just like a complete idiot seems like the opposite uh, 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 uh. <laughs> uh but i mean i, I got, i'm really good at like doing things fast because of it because i was my own teacher and i did it through this like online correspondence course uh-huh. and i would just wait until the end of like the last month of the year and just do all my work in a month and just just <laughs> just like phone it in. I think in some ways, doesn't it make you like more self-directed in terms of yes. your projects? Like Maggie West is this photographer uh-huh. friend and she, you might, she does these really beautiful, colorful, uh, photos. Okay. Um, and she, I love watching her complete these projects because she just like does it, does it. And yeah. it, in such a like confident, she was homeschooled too. Was she? Okay. And it's just interesting. I think it happened. I mean, there's, there's also the side of homeschool where like there are people who, you know, are homeschooled because of like religious reasons mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Totally. And then those, I don't know anyone. I don't really know anyone who grew up that way, but I'm assuming that, that it's a different experience than, someone who is basically just wants the freedom to do mm-hmm. their own thing and their parents being cool with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine had no sort of religious um, affiliations whatsoever. But most of those programs are programs that don't teach evolution or like that require you to learn about the Bible and stuff like that. The and homeschool programs yeah, are? Yeah, a lot of them. I Maybe not. I mean, most might be an inaccurate statement, but a lot of them are. Um, the one, and it was... At the time, in the early 2000s, at least, when we were looking, it was hard to find uh, programs that weren't uh, these, a lot of them based out of Florida, like really Uh fundamentalist Christian Mm -hmm. uh, places. One of them, one of the programs we looked at was all through VHS tapes, and it was all super fundamentalist uh, way into every subject, like including fundamentalist ways into math that kind of thing I don't even I have no idea uh, but crazy but so I think you know I didn't grow up in that homeschool thing like I think that world sounds completely dangerous and completely <laughs> insane mm-hmm. uh, I do think that what I did is good for some people I think that most 
I would say that you have to be a very specific kind of person and I think you have to kind of know already what you want out of life I, mm-hmm. in order for it to not fuck you up entirely. I mean, I'm definitely somewhat fucked up from it in that like my social skills aren't always great and like <laughs> I don't, like I, it took me a long time. I to, heard you say that on another podcast and I was like, no, yeah. I was like yelling at it. I was like, you are, you're. No, I'm, but like, <laughs> I, I, like it's, I don't leave the house very often, but like I also like am not good at, you probably heard me say this on another podcast, like I'm not good at like. It took me a really long time to realize like I wasn't the most important person in every room I went to <laughs> because I had only been all by myself in rooms. And so like I went to tried to go to college for six months and did it and was like, wait, everybody else is my age and people are treating them the same way they're treating me. This is not okay. And <laughs> it made me like drop out of school and run away. And then eventually like living in New York, I moved to New York and like lived there for a long time and uh, realized that the world was not, you know, just guaranteed to be on my side. Uh, and that was good for me because I think that the four years of high school taught me that like, I was like, I'm the most, I'm literally the most important person. <laughs> I love it that. It was <laughs> so disgusting, just disgusting. <laughs> so that would be if I ever had a, a kid, which I never want to do, uh, uh, if I homeschooled them, I would ma- be very wary of like them turning into the, the monster that I turned into when I was in high school. Quote, unquote, high school. So funny. I literally don't have a high school I degree feel like either. I, who, you don't, I've never. Do you know where your high school diploma is? I literally no, don't have one. No, it's yeah. never come up. Yeah. It came up when I was applying to colleges, and my mom was like, oh, we're going to need one of those. But, and then What'd I you went, do? Just I went to it? acting school. Oh. So I made it, and they were like, actually, you don't. <laughs> you don't need one. <laughs> Fine. I guess I could forge it, though. Are, are your parents still together? Yeah, they're in, and they're still in my hometown. Uh, they're happy. They seem they seem happy. Uh, they uh, wait. Both, you say it like they seem happy. Like, well, it's just not, always weird when convinced. your parents are like, oh no, no no, they're definitely convinced. But it's just weird when I think it, it's very odd to have parents who are still married. Yeah, mine are. Yeah, but like, and also to have them still married and be like, like oh, they actually seem happy. Yeah, like, no, but my dad still like my you know. This is so gendered. My mom will be yeah. doing dishes and yeah. my dad will come up and so <laughs> smack her on the ass. And like, they oh. love, you know, like. Yeah, but they love that. They That's love like, each how other. How old are yeah. they? Are they in their like 50s, They're, 60s? They're uh, 55, okay. mid 50s. Yeah, my parents are mid 60s now. And it's their second, both of their second marriage. Oh, and interesting. I mean, they've been married for like since probably 30 years. Uh-huh. But uh, they both got married like right out of high school uh, mm-hmm. and didn't last long. Uh, and I think both were kind of toxic relationships and then, uh, you know, now they're married to each other and it's, they're very, very into each other. Uh, but so that's, it's, it's nice to, to see them, uh, happy and uh, I'm, they're very much like small town people. So we have a lot of, uh, sometimes issues, not politically or anything, but, uh, just like the, they don't have passports, for example. Mm, I totally get that. It's crazy. Like just to, and the idea of traveling outside of the country doesn't even, appeal to them my like, dad doesn't jack uh, minnesota okay small town okay. also and like when he can't see the water tower i feel yeah. like sometimes he's like gets the shakes yes like <laughs> my like... dad when they finally started coming out here and my dad throws a fucking fit every time he does because he's just not in his routine and his world and his realm and I mean, LA can be stressful in that, like, if you don't like traffic and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, but like, or like waiting in for a restaurant, like things like that. It it's so bizarre. I was just there and for a week, which was 
quite a bit of Whoa. time to do. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. <laughs> uh, I didn't go home for Christmas for the first time ever, and so I felt really bad. And so I went for like for their birthdays, basically. And uh, and I brought my fiance with me, so that that always makes it easier. You know? uh-huh. But uh, but just like being around it and seeing. I don't know, just sort of uh, that small town thing is so strange to go back to. And yeah, so it strange really to to realize that there are some people who just never leave it. It's just they don't ever And like break that's out of it. their natural that's speed. Yeah, yeah, that's their natural speed. And I'm a pretty slow person, but like that's a whole other Mm-mm. can of worms where it's like, well, no, we already went to the grocery store today. We have we don't have anything the energy to do anything else. What do you like we're we're good. <laughs> We're good for the week. <laughs> um, okay, so you got engaged mm. in January. Congratulations. Thank you. Very excited. Very exciting. Um, yes, I got engaged uh, to my boyfriend of not that very long. Uh, How but, long? Uh, two years? Two years? That's long enough. That's long enough. I mean, we moved very fast. We met. I was already in another relationship, long distance, with okay. someone on the other side of the world, like full on Australia. So... That's a quite a long distance relationship, and we rarely saw each other. We Skyped quite a bit. It was very much like I had gone through one major, major breakup, and then that was like really traumatizing, and I lost my mind and literally had like a mental breakdown. Oh my and God, then, yeah. Uh, and then was in kind of the, the perfect sort of transitional relationship, which mm-hmm. is a gross way to put it, was this long distance thing with a really great guy. Uh, Sort of started to fizzle out, and then I happened to meet my boyfriend of the moment, and uh, it just sort of clicked. And I mean, he basically moved in like two months into our our dating, and uh, we got engaged in January. And so we're both very excited. It's it's very uh, it's such a weird thing because like I I've always liked the idea of getting married, but now that I'm doing it, I don't I resent like how much of a big deal people treat it as. Because I'm like, I think it's like, obviously it's major commitment and like, I'm, I know what I'm getting myself into. Uh, but I, I also, there's just something about it that just feels like, well, of course that's what we're doing. Uh, there was no, like when he asked me to marry him, it wasn't like, oh my God, this is a big thing. It was like, well, obviously you're asking me to marry you and obviously we're going to get married and that's what's going to happen. And we're, it seems like the natural trajectory of So I don't, I, the whole, I, there's just so much like. You know, I mean, it's a big life milestone, but there's so much like, I don't know, so much talking about like it. pomp about. Yeah. yeah, I always I resent things that are like really. Uh, I resent like when things are made into like this thing where there's such a tradition around mm-hmm. it and mm-hmm. like protocol and like what are you gonna do for this and what are you gonna do for like we're just like literally getting married in our backyard and we're are people coming? We're or, gonna have yeah, people, yeah. but like. It's going to be very much like we're just having a cocktail party in the backyard. I love that. Like, I think that's the best way. Yeah. And like we don't, we, with food trucks. Like I don't mm-hmm. want, I don't like this whole idea of of like a Pinterest board for like two years of planning some some enormous event. Like I want the thing to be like 10 minutes long and then I want just lots of rosé and MDMA at, the, at, <laughs> at sunset. <Yes>. <laughs> that's, a, that's the goal. Your boyfriend is cre- creative as well, though, yes, right? Yes, he's an actor, yeah. And he uh, he's from he's an actor from London. Uh, he was a child actor in London, actually. Do you only and date foreign guys? What's that? Do you only date foreign Kinda. guys? Kind <laughs> of. I thought you said, do I only date porn guys? I, like, <laughs> I wish. Uh, no, yes. I, I kind of decided I was only into foreign guys a couple <laughs> years ago. Uh, he is an actor. He was a child actor in London. He grew up in like, 
his mom created London Fashion Week. He grew up oh, in a very rad. cool, very, very different world than I grew up in. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, he, yes, he moved here to be an actor. He had a show on CBS last year called Pure Genius that he was the lead of. Cool. And then that got canceled. And uh, hence why we're not buying a house in Highland Park. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, then he had another. She was on. He's on the new season of Prison Break right now. Oh, okay. On Fox. Cool. Uh, and breaking out of prison once a week. <laughs> and uh, and he's he's great. He's doing a play this summer. And uh, uh, he's he's very much like first time I've ever dated someone who was like straight up just an actor. Like I, uh, I have a lot of all my friends are creative people, but. No one I know is like one thing, you mm-hmm. know. Don't you feel like everybody is like one, multiple things now, and uh, everybody writes a little. Everybody, uh-huh. you know, makes makes their own videos a little. Everybody mm-hmm. acts sure. Everybody does this sure. So, but like he's like straight up like just an actor, which is really uh, I find really cool to to ex- be around and experience because it. It definitely like when I act and stuff, I definitely like phone it the fuck in and like, <laughs> just play a version of myself. And uh, he definitely like his showing me a different world of of that like the other day he had me like prepare for an audition and it was it was the first time i'd ever done that i think he's the real acting school. he's like for real an actor <laughs> like he, he's doing this play this summer and he, he keeps coming home and like working on his lines all night and i'm like why can't you just get stoned and watch rachel maddow with me this is crazy he's like well i have to know my lines i'm like do you it, yes i do that's what's rehearsal that's what is you for. have to do <laughs> Not a very good influence at all. Don't you think the wedding thing, though, it's like if you didn't have all these creative projects that you were constantly, you know, throwing your like all your passion into that the Pinterest boards might be 100%. And I mean, every so often, if I'm really bored, I'm like, oh, let's let's think about the wedding. (laughs) (laughs) But like, (laughs) but otherwise, that's like not really something that I'm really like that focused on we've like put it off we're like doing it like a year from now too like we're uh-huh. really putting it off and uh we're also kind of putting it off because we're like well let's wait until we have like if we put it off long enough we'll like have a really good job and we can uh-huh. like pay really not have to worry about money for this but uh that hasn't seemed to happen yet um but uh but yes i think if i had if i did not have like creative outlets i probably would be a little more uh, focused on it. Worried but about floral bouquets. Yeah, and stuff. none of that. None of that shit. <laughs> so okay, so after the <clears throat> homeschooling in Georgia, yeah, you moved to New York. Yeah, at eighteen. Yeah, I moved to New York at eighteen. Uh, I knew people there already, so it was oh, that's nice. Somewhat of a decent transition, and uh, yeah, I was there for like five and a half years, and um, sort of doing not really sure what I wanted to do at the time. I kind of wanted to perform. I kind of wanted to be writing, you know, et cetera. And uh, did various things, some of them, you know, major failures, some of them not. And uh, <laughs> and then started making, like, YouTube videos with, with my friend Cole Scola at the time. Mm-hmm. And then that led to us having this sketch comedy show on Logo that we... It was, like, on TV, but, like, it, we weren't being paid. And we made it ourselves, like, literally on my MacBook in oh, my wow. apartment and they basically they hired us to make vlogs for no money but like they had to be 21 minutes and they had permission to put them on TV very very shady stuff so sketchy and then they, all of a sudden we had a TV show on Fridays at midnight and it was the weirdest thing and literally all made on our computer with our friends we couldn't hire like actors to be on the show because we, we couldn't pay anyone So, but they also couldn't be SAG so we had to like 
just like ask our friends who were like the like the weirdos of the world who were who weren't working. It was very uh, very bizarre, but a very fun experience because we literally had full control and we were twenty one, I think, and just like you know really uh, like immersed doing whatever in this we new, wanted. Yeah. yeah, and it was it was really really a really thrilling time. But it was also frustrating too because it was right before like the boom of all this like YouTube mm-hmm. stuff, like before people really got. Uh, money from it or you know uh, notoriety from it or any kind of press it was pre-twitter mm-hmm. and um, so it was it's it's so frustrating now to like look at like people making web stuff and it like having real budgets and like yeah. real exposure and stuff and being like oh wow we were literally like two years too soon it's to so party. funny most people are like two years too late and yeah. you guys were like two years too early yeah it was, <laughs> it's really it's really frustrating it took me a long time to get over being like like de- like so bitter about it now i'm like a little less like it, for a while there was like it was just all i was was bitter about that and so now i've kind of gotten over it but uh it was uh it was a very lovely time though it well it seems like i mean it was like a springboard and it was yeah, yeah it definitely like put us made people the people who a lot of people saw it uh that the people who did see it were became very loyal Mm -hmm. followers of what we do and then um you know cool people in the biz saw it and either casting directors who you know then hired either myself or cole to do stuff or um things like that so good things amazing things came out of it it was very much like changed trajectory of of what i was doing and stuff but uh it was uh uh a very uh, sh- early stages of all that like online uh-huh. sh- you know, thing. I mean, like I, I don't think the word like webisode was even a thing yet. Oh yeah, know? like it was way ahead of the curve. Yeah, really. Like I, I remember uh, people at Logo kept calling the videos vignettes. And oh, that's like, so funny! I being love that. Vignettes, <laughs> like. Like they were like, you know, Commedia dell'arte, like, <laughs> seamless. Avant-garde, yeah. So weird. <laughs> um, so, but 18 in New York, that's like, oh that's God, a nutty just, age. Yeah, disgusting. I mean, how old were you when you moved to, were you, did you ever go to New York? I was 20, no, I went to college sure. uh, in Missouri. Okay. Can't really, it's a But you had that, mo- that time to kind of grow up a little bit more. Well, I took some college in high school before oh, okay. I left. And so it was like a quick two year. I was not fully cooked when I left. Yeah. And came directly here? I came I came here. I wound up getting a job selling t-shirts on a Girls Gone Wild tour. Oh my God. Amazing. It was the worst. Uh, oh my God. And then I had to recover from that. Sure. Uh, and then I moved back <laughs> when I was 23. So yeah. Ooh. That's five, the five years. Selling t-shirts on a Girls Gone Wild tour. <laughs> what is a Girls Gone Wild tour? Oh my God, just the most depressed. So, like meaning where they go and make the videos? They have a van. Well, that's over now, right? He's in prison, right? He, yeah, I don't think that's still around. I have never, I've not seen an infomercial lately. I haven't in a long time. Yeah, but they used to be all over. And so they go around in a van and do what? Uh, or like a big bus. Okay. That has like Said t- girls gone titties on the, <gasps> yeah. Yeah, like the, oh, the full God. deal. And just like pull into a town and like cause some trouble. Small towns, because that's oh, where, you God. know. That's where people want. People aren't wise to their oh. game. Yeah, it's and where the, girls go wild. That's, well. Gr- Is it? <laughs> no, it's like they just get. People to say yes to basically being just exploited and violated and, right? I they mean, find like the most naive girls there. Get them drunk, I'm assuming. Get right? them very drunk. Oh. Take them to the bus in the back room, 
get their permission for everything get on camera a release or whatever and then yeah. be like okay take your shirt off and say hi dad and like <laughs> tell oh, a fucking weird jesus joke and then oh like God. eat out your best friend it's so weird and you were selling t-shirts i was honestly even in the interview they were like part of your job is just to make the girls feel comfortable oh, God. Which I felt guilty about well, later. Sure, After I saw this all go down, well, I was we're like... All, we all have done weird <laughs> things in our early 20s and then been like, well, that was not appropriate for me or the other people involved. Um, <laughs> and then you were like, okay, that was crazy. You went back home for a second? Uh, not even to my family. Like, yeah. I just went back to, like, just near like, where chill. I went to college <laughs> yeah. and hold up for a minute. Yeah. Because it did. It fucked me up about, like my sexuality yeah. and what that meant. Yeah. And like, I didn't have sex for a long time after yeah. that. Cause uh -huh. I was just like, and also the thing about being on that bus uh -huh. is that it's a, like, I was trying to act at the time and the yeah. camera guys uh -huh. had just gotten out of film school. Okay. And so they were getting paid to get these scenes, scenes uh -huh. were, you know, Ooh. if someone would finger themselves or eat out their friend, oh that's like a big money scene. Right. Sure. <laughs> so they were incentivized to like, capture this stuff and it made them it brought out the worst in these guys right so anytime we would go out to eat it wasn't just like oh the shitty part is at night when we do the club thing right but like during the day it's all cool we go on hikes and no, yeah no 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 <laughs> it's like i'm with these guys at the restaurant and i'm like eating my feelings at the time so i feel like the worst version of myself Ooh. right i'm just like slowly expanding and just being like Ooh. i can't deal with this and the camera guys would be like Rating girls constantly. Every rating? girl got a number. Oh dear. And, and so it was, just, and most people honestly were not fuckable to them. And I was just like, what does this mean about everything? Because <laughs> you're seeing like, so, no, I mean, like horrible people, like you're seeing like the underbelly of the world. Yeah. Yeah. After, you know, it, I, yeah, I was pretty sheltered. My parents are still together. I'm sure. in Minnesota, a sure. small town. Everything's like pretty. Yeah, there's no Chill. way to prepare yourself for being literally on the road with Girls Gone Wild. That totally. Is... I thought I was wild. Yeah. And then I went on the Have road. Have you and... about this? Yeah, yeah I, I did. did. Okay. Not uh, too soon. Book. I know. There's never... Yeah, right. There's I, I had experiences that were like bizarre, weird things that I experienced that I then tried to write about too early. Mm -hmm. And then you have no real, uh, you know, sort of way of looking at or any perspective on it. Uh, whereas like now there are certain things where I want to go back and write about them, but, yeah. uh, yeah, you should do that with those stories. That's, it's nutty, right? That's insane. Uh, that's totally insane. Um, so wait, uh, uh, yes. So you, then you moved <laughs> to here. I'm now interviewing you. Yeah, so. I know. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I moved here at 23. Okay. So like I did all my mistake making like in Chicago and on this tour and yeah. like in Missouri, not all my mistake well, making. Sure. We, I yeah. saved some for LA. Of course. Uh, but LA yeah. brings out the new mistakes and you know. <laughs> I feel like if I I was gonna go to New York and uh -huh. I feel like if I would have gone to New York it, at 18 like yeah. I just would have stripped for a couple years yeah. and like it just could have gotten real crazy yeah I, and, and I, mine got crazy and mine I feel like I definitely I mean I definitely feel like like you said I got a lot of the like crazy mistakes or crazy just crazy experiences out of the way before I got here because mm -hmm. when I moved here I was like 24 I think and, uh, but I definitely, it was a whole other kind of new losing your mind experiences in LA where mm -hmm. mine were, 
in New York, I didn't really date much. I was just like sleeping with everyone and everything. <laughs> and like, I interrupt with a very important message from our sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by ModCloth, where fresh floral patterns and daring designs flourish. ModCloth is your go-to spot for fashion that's as unique as you. I just got some stuff from there and I'm getting hella compliments. And don't worry, ModCloth's exclusive line of apparel comes in a full size range, from extra extra small to 4X, because they believe that fashion is for every body size and shape. They're literally democratizing women's clothing one cute outfit at a time. So snag all your summer essentials with this exclusive deal. Shop now at modcloth.com and enter promo code reality at checkout to get 30% off your order of $100 or more. That's modcloth.com promo code reality for 30% off your order of $100 or more. Make every day extraordinary at ModCloth. Uh, whereas here, I like immediately locked myself into a relationship because I had never done that. And it was like, you know, that, that experience of like, that we go through of like, oh, that's not how a relationship should work and mm -hmm. any you know, very codependent sorts of things, uh, that were, that were, you know, preventative of growing up further. Uh, but, uh, I, uh, it's interesting. Like, I feel like there's such a distinction between people who had that moment that going through their quote unquote crazy period of their early twenties here versus the ones who do it in New York. Because there's different ways I feel like that we lose ourselves. Like I what? Like, I feel like in LA you I mean for me, New York was like all about like I was just drunk twenty four seven. You know, like I feel like I was it, And you can just bar hop yeah, exactly. like crazy because you don't there's Whereas no neighborhood. I don't know if I would have done that here. Here. I feel like I didn't like I didn't smoke pot when I lived in New York, but now I, I live in LA. Uh -huh. I smoke way too much pot, you know. But so I mean, I think it's it's not just substance related either, but it's uh, it's also like in I think in New York maybe you you're a little more inclined to like create things and make things at that early age, whereas maybe here you're a little more inclined to like go to Coachella and go to Palm Springs and like spend the day in Santa Monica and maybe see a movie and then maybe go to a bar and maybe lay on the beach. You know, I feel like, I feel like I was productive, but uh, reckless in New York. Uh. Uh, whereas here I feel like maybe I'm sometimes a little less productive but very much like into self-care. <laughs> yeah, no, there's a leisure uh, yes, pace out here. Definitely. I mean, every, I mean, this is the most debated topic, of course, by all uh, people. We but need to write a very big essay just, about oh this. Oh my God, I <laughs> gotta get something on Vice tonight about it. Really, my, my take on the whole difference. So when you moved to LA, you were pr super promiscuous in New York and yeah. then became... Then became very, very, uh, like, obsessively in a relationship. And, like, everything I everything about me hung on this relationship. And every choice I made hung on this relationship. Was that the bad and, breakup? Yeah. And then, of course, it ended. And then I was, like... I think it was half humiliation of myself for, like, hanging everything on a relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, that caused me to like really lose it and then now this guy that we had like a really bad breakup it was not good it was we didn't speak for a long time and now we're fine uh but now he's on a reality show about fire island uh on logo whoa and i guess like my relate our breakup comes up this week so i have i have that to look forward to tomorrow <laughs> i'm gonna have to check this out very interesting um i had a couple of those back to back i had like yeah. 
um, one big bad breakup, yeah. and then my next relationship also. It's like I didn't get it all out of my system yep. and had to. But mortifying. I did some mortifying things. Mortifying, where you're like, wow, I didn't know I was capable. I knew I was crazy, but I didn't know I was c- capable of being like this crazy. Did you? I did. Uh, I have a very clear memory of driving to Uh-oh. this boyfriend's house. Sure. Maybe 5 a.m. Yeah. And like knocking on up. the door. He wasn't there. Yeah. I think like part of me mm. wanted to see that. Yeah. All most of mine was uh, sh- oversharing about it online. Oh which God! Is, which makes it no longer that guy's problem or my problem, but the people who follow you's problem. So there was a lot of just like <laughs> shameful. There was like a good four month period where I made myself into the craziest person on the internet, with just literally writing blogs about the breakup, tweets about the breakup. At literally any any medium I could get my hands on about this breakup, I was just putting it all out there to the point where people were like, are you okay? Ooh. And I think in some ways it did some damage for me for a while. Like there were definitely like people who I think like work-wise probably didn't work with me for a long time because they were like, is he stable? <laughs> and I think in retrospect, I wasn't for like a solid year. Uh, but uh, now everything's great. <laughs> Hire him; he's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay. What's the worst breakup? Mm. You you overshared. Yeah. You didn't. There well, was, that I was mean, the extent of it. This guy. Oh, this is. It got even. It got so bad. He filed a restraining order against me. Oh no! And not even because I was even doing what you did, where I showed up at his house. I didn't even go near his house. But I was saying so many crazy things about him on the internet, and the only way to get him get me to stop talking about him on the internet, and he started dating another person right after me, and I was harassing oh, that fuck. person um, on the internet. Uh, they he had to like basically serve yeah, was served a restraining order that was not like it hadn't been like approved or whatever. Like he had filed for one. And they have to, like, serve you. Oh, my God. It was so embarrassing. And my mom was there visiting me when I got served these papers at my front door. And he knew my mom was there. I think he did it to try to, like, make a huge point of, like, no, I'm serious. You really have to, like, leave me alone (laughs) and stop talking about me on Twitter. Uh, And uh, because I was also, like, rallying my followers behind me. It was really not a pretty color on anybody. And, uh, (laughs) And so, but then he, yeah, so it got really bad. And he did that. And then... I basically agreed to stop talking about it on the on the internet, and he he dropped you know whatever this was, and uh, <laughs> and we also had a dog at the time, and I there was also the concern that I I really wanted the dog back. We'd gotten the dog together. Uh-huh. He kept it. Uh, he kept the dog, and like he was like, you're not stable enough to take care of a dog. In retrospect, totally correct. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> and also like thank God he took the dog. I could not have held like taking care of a dog for the past. Five years all by myself. That would have been completely insane. Uh, <laughs> not something I would have wanted to do. Uh, but at the time, you know, it was just yet another like piece of ammunition against this uh-huh. person, uh, and uh, it was a, a very dark, ugly period. I'm D- does it make you more over. private now? Uh, it definitely made. It definitely makes me not share certain things about my current relationship. Yeah, I mean. I, I also did that thing that we that so many people do in their first relationship, especially now with the internet, of like just constant couple photos and constantly mm-hmm. talking about my boyfriend and definitely overcompensating for the fact that we were miserable and like fighting every day and Oof. just like sort of forcing ourselves to stay together for the for what I don't know uh, and just very codependent. So 
uh, I was that was like the thing after the after the relationship in retrospect that I was like, oh, you if you're actually happy, then you really don't probably need to be sharing every mm-hmm. moment that you're happy with. Uh, and so I definitely have gotten a little more restrictive about what I'll share. And at the beginning of my relationship with Augie, it was very like, I was very much afraid of oversharing, even, po- even posting photos of us together and stuff like that, just because he was on TV and like had a fan base or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to get caught up in that again. Because once you start getting likes about stuff like that, it's like, oh, this is validating. And yeah. that means I'm pretty and I'm doing great. So I'm going to keep posting about this, even though I'm only doing this because I don't have a job to post about. You know, so it's it's that ultimately is what it boils down to. Uh, and then the, the relationship, the long distance one in between the epic, horrible breakup and the Australian current, guy. Yeah, the Australian guy. He was uh, also uh, had a fan base because he's a comedian. And uh, he he and I were very much kind of doing that oversharing thing as well. And like couple cute photos. Uh-huh. And I think on some level in retrospect, that was maybe to, to show like, Oh, see, I'm fine now after uh-huh. that first breakup. Uh, so I feel like there's always like an ulterior motive to like what you're putting out there. Right. So uh, definitely a little bit. Yeah. And I, 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 the older I've gotten, I've definitely gotten into the, like the more super protective, mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you have to be like in the like world of comedy or show business or whatever. You do have to put stuff out there because that's how you get people to pay attention to you and look at what you're doing or what you're promoting or whatever. But also, there it comes a time where you also have to be like, okay, what, what, what is what's for people to to read mm-hmm. about on the internet and what's actually like a moment you want to experience. Uh, but. It's uh, it's easy to get you know hypnotized by the validation that comes from sharing your life. So uh, totally, you, and for some of life. us, like uh, it depends how much you use your life for your art. Work. Yeah, because yeah. you know, like like you're talking about, like with like writing about this bizarre experience you had in your early twenties, or any of the things I've written about in my with all of my experiences in life. I I feel like I always write about them, but. It, it, it does become a thing where there is this fine line of like, okay, well, I'm writing about this, but I was just talking to someone about this this morning of like, what is the intention though, you know, uh-huh. of behind it of, you know, it's, it's, you can put something out there and you, you know, even if it's a political post, but you really have to think about like, am I doing this because I want to, you know, fight for this particular cause or am I doing this to piss off my Trump voting uncle on Facebook? You know, what is the ulterior motive here? And if it's, if it's positive, great, go for it. But if it's self-serving or, uh, to rub it in someone's face or hurt someone's feeling to make, to make people think you're more important than them. I mean, all these reasons that we do end up posting self-congratulatory things about ourselves, Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes do have that, that, reasoning behind it so I'm trying to get better at like really looking at things before I share them <laughs> I love that looking within yeah um so you said earlier you don't want kids sounded no pre- do you <laughs> pretty adamant no I want to talk about it oh I don't but then ugh, Augie has lately been like well can we at least like can you promise me you're like not you won't it's not like an absolute no like, I won't. I won't say it's an absolute no, but it's definitely a hard no. Like, there's. <laughs> I basically think 
if we had like 20 mil in the bank, like just sitting there and, and like job stability, uh, and like a really nice house, two houses. (laughs) You gotta have two. I would, I would humor it because I mean, I want to have two houses, so I want to make sure all that stuff's out of the way. Like I want to make sure I've, I've gotten thing, all the things that I want. And then I could imagine it, but I don't even really like the presence of children. So mm-hmm. I don't know if it would be uh, a good match. <laughs> like, I don't even, I can't like have small talk with people's kids. I just, I get so bored. No, I'm, I, I do think it would be a little different with your, your own. Yes. There's something special about being like, oh, wow, I'm raising a human being. Yeah. That's cool. But I'm not in love with the idea of it, though. Like some people are like 100 percent. But they will never be whole until they experience it. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel maybe I'm so conflicted. And also, I think it's related to as a woman, you're Mm -hmm. so like defined by that experience. What if I miss out on this? Well, yeah, I mean, for I feel like, you know, for for a gay man, I would say it's probably less of a pressing thing mm-hmm. and less of something that you've been raised to expect mm-hmm. to be to, to want or to also just chemically you know your body actually can make a baby uh, you know like that but my mind doesn't want to exactly. anymore so but like but but you're conditionally told by society so often and more so probably when you were like a little girl uh-huh. that like that's what happens whereas for someone like me I was definitely like raised like, oh yeah, you get married and you have babies. But I always knew in the back of my mind, like, oh, but I'm gay. So that could never happen for me. Right. Uh, Now, obviously I have so many gay friends who have babies and they're like, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. But uh, I, yeah, I just have never had it. And I see people who have kids and they seem really happy, but I also am like, you seem really happy despite this <laughs> like like no matter how lovely your kid is you still are having to like drop everything and deal with a runny nose and i don't want to i don't want to deal with that yeah i don't want to have to like wake up and make somebody else's breakfast i, I can barely make my own uh, yeah <laughs> and i think I, you know like i get resentful of things that stand between me and this mountain that I have to climb yes, 100%. To, to get what I want. So. And the other thing is like once you climb that mountain to get what you want and you get that thing, I'm sure you're like me in that like, okay, well then there's another thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's we're never in, if you're in any kind of artist, you're, I don't think it's really hard to accomplish that thing that you're finally just set, you know, and mm-hmm. life is never, life is predictable and life is calmed down and I don't think it ever will be that way. So I don't know how I could give someone stability, you know, for like a child. No, I mean, ugh, God, I, no. I could see like, I don't know. I'm like 65. I could see it as an old person, <laughs> which that also feels selfish though, kind of. Because Is I'm it like, still well, I die. selfish? I don't know. <laughs> I also don't believe that anyone else needs to have babies. Like we have too many. We're set. We're so oh, sad. So many fucking kids out there. Like enough having babies. Enough. Just like enough. that's almost selfish in a way. Like no shade on anyone's decisions. No, of, course, of course, that's your your thing. I, and I, I, it's a whole obviously magical, beyond anything I can wrap my head around experience to be able to create a child and birth a child. I'm sure that yeah. is like going to Oz level. You know, <laughs> fast, fabulous, and incredible. But like, I just a I'm not capable of that, and b 
I just, we have so many kids. There's just so many babies. We're running out of like clean air, clean water. Oh, I just, who was just talking about like that it's irresponsible, socially tense babies. (laughs) There's somebody funny. Uh, great, great, great anecdote, Jeffrey. But someone was just talking about that. Um, no, Nicole, uh, Amy Schreiber is a comedian that was on this. She didn't say it to you, I doubt. But uh, she was just on here and she uh, was like, two, re- two max replacement rate. Yes. Like, what are, and my parents had four, but like, that's yeah. kind of selfish. Like, 100%. <laughs> 100%. And it's also like, I know people in my hometown who have like four kids and who don't have money, who don't have uh-huh. the money to have four kids. And you're just like, what, what, why did you do that? Yeah. You, you could have stopped that. <laughs> you could have been a little more, I don't know. I mean, I'm, you know, everybody's different and everybody's experience the is different. The pro-choice so, podcast. Yeah. The pro-choice <laughs> podcast. Uh, yes. Uh, I, I just, uh, yeah, I don't, it's every, I mean, I, I, I'm certainly not the expert on it, but it's not to me. So Augie is a fan. <laughs> Augie is of, of not babies. Of of considering babies. He would he I, he grew up with I think more of an expectation of it. He was also in a relationship with a woman for for oh. his longest relationship. Um, and, and before like for the before like I think like maybe four years ago. Mm-hmm. So I think for him it was a bit more built into the big overall plans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for him, I think it's not as foreign as it is to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, he's also a fan of not as well. I've kind of, I've definitely done a yeah. lot to convince him. But I also, he's, you know, he's, he has a lot of friends with kids and he does look at them and go, wow, like you have people who have good jobs and who are making enough money to support a family. But like even still in Los Angeles to do that, the amount of, you're still struggling because it's so expensive. Yeah. Uh, so I think he's he's beginning to see my my side of things a little bit clearer, hopefully. I also think <laughs> uh, the effect it ha- it potentially could have on your relationship is not always the most no, positive. Either. Because that's important. That's more important to me. Is and that's the other thing is I me worry. Too. I mean, maybe if I had kids, it would, I mean, obviously it would be different. But like, that's the relationship that's important to me. Like. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't want to do anything to fuck that up. Um, yeah. No, yeah. some people are like, uh, kids, it becomes like kids first and then yes. your partner, which sure, like they're dependent on you, but. Sure. But I just don't necessarily like having a lot of people around. <laughs> so I'm like, I been like a one other person in our, living in our house. Oh God. Like a house guest that never leaves. Who's also a child who can't like. Wipe its own butt. Dirty. Like, no, thank you. <laughs> who, can't, who doesn't brush its teeth? I have to teach it how to floss. Absolutely not. Get out of here. So funny. No, thank you. So, so you did birth a new book, though. I did birth a new book. Yes, uh, I have a new book coming out in uh, the fall. It's uh, it's like technically it doesn't come out till October, but like my last book didn't come out till April, and then it was out in March. So I don't really understand when books come out. Sure. But the official release is in October. Uh, it's called A Very, Very Bad Thing. It's a young adult novel with Scholastic is publishing it. Um, uh-huh. They published my last one, Drag Teen. And uh, this one's about, I was really fascinated by the idea of just sort of watching, I feel like in pop culture today, queer kids are, if they, oftentimes a queer kid will experience some kind of tragedy, not even queer kids, all kids, will experience some kind of tragedy, whether it's related to bullying or suicide or uh-huh. uh, not being accepted by fill in the blank. 
uh, and they will then uh, somehow, sometimes I feel like we take those stories and really use them to mm-hmm. push a, an agenda. Mm-hmm. And it's an agenda I uh, think is important, but it's still an agenda. Uh, and uh, I find that we take tragedy and turn it into like, celebrity and tabloid now mm. uh, and we've always done that but in a very specific way and so um, I had this idea of like what what that would mean if you were the kid experiencing that and so essentially the story is about a kid who tells a lie for the greater good uh, and that gets picked up by this sort of media machine that mm-hmm. we use nowadays to like really explore a tragedy and, and use it to attempt to better the world and prevent stuff like that from happening but what if that thing that we're using is is based on a lie and you know what's more important to fight or to fight fair uh and so it's something i had been that's so interesting conflicted about yeah. watching and so i wanted to explore and uh you know the book isn't in any way like the answer to the problem uh-huh. but just sort of i think an exploration of that idea and that place we're at uh and w- what I what I think it does to kids who we use for that purpose, uh, you know. I mean, it's like when when a kid comes out on Ellen, you know, or gets comes uh-huh. out on YouTube and then goes on Ellen and gets a check for fifty thousand dollars. Great, but like, is that solving anything? Yes, visibility is so important, and 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 yes, helping youth is so important. But also, with that comes a lot of weight on that kid's shoulders and is the world actually helping hold up that weight if that makes sense you know of mm-hmm. like if we're, we're putting that there and, and, and awarding you know these experiences or uh, supporting them through our uh, whether it's giving them money or making them famous mm-hmm. or whatever but hopefully with that comes the, hopefully the, 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 the big focus which is the issue at hand stays in the forefront of people's yeah. minds. Um, also, I think like, I, I love that topic. I think what happens uh, when these stories blow up, they get boiled down to like four bullet points 100%. or something and it loses all the nuance of yes. the story. Because every story is, you know, yes, there are tragic stories and that are clear cut cases of good uh-huh. guy, bad guy, but not most of the time. You know, there's always definitely a larger nuanced story at hand and uh, that get lost because we're so fast with information. And you want to make it like black or white or whatever. Yeah. And it's probably it's, gray. Yeah, exactly. And and the idea of, you know, so stories can't really be told in a tweet. You know, you yeah. can't tell a, a story of, of if something tragic happens... You can't explain the whole thing in a headline, which we want, uh, mm-hmm. which is what we try to and attempt to do. And so to look at how every story is both sometimes a bad thing and a good thing all at once uh, is sort of the idea behind it. So it comes out in the fall, and then there's an audiobook that I'm recording this summer that will be out at the same time, awesome. um, which is exciting. And then, uh, yeah, and then my book, Drag Team, just came out in paperback. Which is I love that premise too. It's a good one. And they're making that into a musical. Yes. Yes. Very excited. Very, very excited. Awesome. It's early, early stages, but uh, it's coming along. So it's exciting. Can we 
one quick thing before we go. Yeah. I saw, I think you posted last night about Mommy Dead. Oh my God. Have Mom, you watched it? Uh, yes. What is it? How do you, what's the okay. title again? Mommy, Mommy Dearest. Dead, Mommy Dead and Dearest. Uh-huh. It's a new documentary on HBO about Munchausen by proxy, which yes. is, you know, when, uh, I only knew Munchausen from the Real Housewives of, of, of Beverly Hills, <laughs> Lisa Renna versus Yolanda fame. Uh, but I, uh, I, so I knew that, which is Munchausen is like when you basically, Fake it. Fake a disease, right. but you convince yourself you have it. But it's just you. You're it's the... you. Yeah, but it's not like, I think, I think by definition, it's not like, I'm going to tell everybody I have a disease because I want people to feel bad for me. It's when you, you psychologically convince yourself. Yeah, you start believing your own yes. lie. Yeah. So Munchausen syndrome by proxy, I believe, is when, or at least what this movie explores, is about a mom using her daughter and basically forcing her daughter into believing she's very, very sick. And so basically they were, these two people were like Katrina victims. They were, they were in Louisiana in some small, small parish there. And which uh, at the end you're like, were they Katrina victim? Were they? Who fucking knows? And they moved there and they were like, she had her preexisting conditions. She claimed were like, it was like 20 things. And she was medicated for all these things. And the mother put in a feeding tube which is psychotic crazy. if this girl oh and and in a wheelchair and in a wheelchair but she could walk and so the mother had this feeding tube put in and then the daughter points that pointed out later like she was putting in medication and things in her body while this daughter was asleep yes. so she actually was ill because she was grotesquely ever medicated with who knows what in her body uh, for many 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 years and someone's someone's calling a dog someone's some Get sort the of fuck I have out no of idea here. what's going on. <laughs> um, but, uh, there, but so it's such a good movie. And then, you know, this isn't like a surprise or anything. The daughter uh, M- murdered. Murders. Her. Well, well, they tell that at the beginning. So yeah, it's like. That's not like, a, that's not like a spoiler. But it's about sort of the idea of, well, who was actually the bad guy here? Because the mother really did torture this, this daughter for the, her whole life. She wouldn't let the girl walk yeah. for. I mean, really, like fifteen years yeah, in she public. Also, she also she didn't let the daughter know how old she was. So the daughter, yeah. on like her eighteenth birthday, she thought she was turning like twelve, I think. So she was forced to be this little girl. They're always at Disney and really World. made her the ugliest version of herself oh, she could have been. Her, some of her teeth uh, had some of her teeth removed. Is there someone at the door? Oh, it's Postmates. They're bringing me uh, some chapstick. Jesus. Jeez. Um, uh, so anyways um, yeah she shaved her head she shaved her head removed some of her teeth like it was it was so 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 depressing but it's a great fucking movie and they're both the mother and the daughter are fascinating characters and the daughter's in prison and uh, but for 10 years for 10 years but which is I think exactly right like I think she deserves no more than that because she no no she so, might get out in like eight and a half. She's up for parole at eight yeah at eight years. I think she'll get it. She seems like she's in a lot of therapy as she should, mm-hmm. and she also didn't do the any of the actual. It was like her, her kind of idea that yes. her internet boyfriend carried Who was out. Her, her this internet boyfriend is like fully insane. And <laughs> he really is, is. Cra- crazy. He probably <laughs> should be in prison for life. He's, 
frightening. <laughs> that's the trial that's coming up, right? Yes. Is like I'm assuming they'll make a documentary about that now that yeah. documentaries are only made about trials. <laughs> but yeah, this what was so crazy about it is the system really failed her yeah. on every level. Yeah, I mean, someone in the movie says she fell through literally every crack yes. of the system because they were sending out, like, they were getting anonymous tips, like, from mm-hmm. child services, like, she's being abused and people were coming to check it out and the mom had, like, brainwashed her so much and was such a good manipulator that she was able to convince these people that she really, this girl really was ill. But, like, the doctors, and they interviewed some of the doctors, and they even were like, yeah, it was weird, right? There was one doctor that was like... Reported it, too. He reported it, and he was like, if it wouldn't have seemed weird, I, you know, it, I, I took it as far as I could. Yeah. Kind of without making it, uh, you know, without risking, I don't Precisely. know. Precisely. Yeah, he did. I, it's so weird. It's so weird. It's such a good movie, though. Uh, highly, highly, highly. Yeah, I'm recovering today. I saw it last night and was like... I saw it last night, too. Oh, my God. So dark, but really well made. Really, really well made. uh, I think it was David Carr's wife. Is that... Is that right? There was a dedication to him at the end, and her last name was Carr, I think. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Oh, that's interesting. Isn't it? Yeah. Huh. Uh, It's great, though. I mean, the world is just full of really insane, fucked up people. (laughs) But this one really... is really good at teaching us. (laughs) (laughs) This is one of the better, better, one of the better, one of the better crazy people stories I've yeah. seen in a while. Yeah, really good, and what a good title too. So good. Yeah. So we're here to plug that. Yes, I'm here <laughs> to plug Mommy, Dad, and Dear. So you must watch it. I'm the producer. Neither on of it. us have any involvement. None, none whatsoever. <laughs> none whatsoever. Thank you so much for Thanks coming for out. Thanks for having me. I enjoy you very much. Yeah, you too. It's lovely to talk to you. Yeah. Bye, guys. Bye. Ah, thank you so much, Jeffrey. That was awesome. Thank you guys for continuing on this journey of sex, love, relationships, and dating in the digital age. I am having a blast. I am learning a lot. I hope the same is true for you. As always, follow Reality Bites Pod on all the socials. It's Bites with a Y. It will always be with a Y. Send your digital heart stuff, your questions, your quandaries, your compliments to realitybitespod at gmail.com. Rate and review the show on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to it on. Google Play, Stitcher, whatever. Throw us them stars, five of them if you got them. Um, The show is produced in partnership with Jash, so big thanks to the Talk Show Labs team for all their production assistance. We'll be back with our next all-new episode on Friday, so you won't have to wait long. Bye, guys.